here we go. Welcome to the Nine Rap Fantasy Football Podcast. Welcome back to the Nine Route Fantasy Football Podcast. We are heading into week 15. This is pretty much the final bell for the fantasy football playoffs. Pat, how'd you do this week as far as uh, hanging on? I know we, we were both on life support. Yeah, well, uh, it looks like somebody pulled the plug on both of us. Uh, it looks like you're going to win. You're going to win our matchup pretty, pretty handily. Although I did make it respectable. I still have one guy. That's, left a, to that's go. a first. That's a first. <laughs> I still have Sony Michelle left tonight, but unless he scores me about what 37 I need. Yeah. I, I have a feeling that that's going to be a, a done deal, but uh, unfortunately for both of us, the two teams that we needed to lose ahead of us look like they're both probably going to win. So either way, uh, this pretty much was just a matchup of pride between the two of us. And and uh, it looks like I don't have any pride left, So, uh, which I'm used to. So that really doesn't Yeah, it's the first step is admitting it. And then, you know, from there, you can kind of build on your character. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm highly disappointed. I, I thought I had a shot. And then seeing Thursday night where started Dalvin Cook. I, I know I texted you and said, hey, look, I traded for him. He's going to be my guy, live or die. And and he I, I just I, I can't even say thank you enough to Dalvin Cook for everything he did for me. Um, I'd like to thank God. And no, but I and I also have Roethlisberger who had been, you know, I've been high on him and to see him start the game so poorly figuring out, well, at least one out of these guys is, is going to do it. And he started really coming back in the second half. I mean, it was a crazy game. Um you know, to see everything happen, but yeah, no, it was a, it was a good weekend for both of us. And, and like you said, yeah, we had a good matchup and unfortunately I will be going into next season with, uh, I, I don't have to show up to the draft too early, um, uh, since I won't have a pick <laughs> until the ninth round in our league of record by making my all in move for Dalvin cook. So he actually paid off, but you know, at, at a cost. So, but you know, how it is, you look back and you had some matchups where, you put up 150 points and you still get crushed by 30 or 40 uh, and you look at point differentials at the end. So, you know, you should have, would have, could have, uh, you know, you see other people that every week were just eking it out or, you know, winning those slug fest of 89 to 78. And it's like, <laughs> really, come on, man. Like you're killing, somebody's going to win a division that way. And then, you know, you know, make it into the playoffs. So, but it is what it is. Yeah. That's meanwhile, meanwhile, you put up 135 and, and lose, but yeah, I, I actually play uh, in another league with, um, you know, a lot of people that, you know, friends of ours, some other guys from, from the military that, that I'm friends with, but they actually have a, a pretty cool system. It's not really a system. It's, it's more of a record scoring type system where uh, you get awarded like victory points based on whether or not you win. And then also based off of where you finish as far as total points for the week. So even if you, you know, let's say you, you know, again, are like the second highest scoring team, but you just happen to face the highest scoring team of that week, you still get some victory points for that week because you finished in the, the top half of, of the standings for that week. So it's not a total loss. At least you're getting something out of it. And I really like, you know, that it, it helps to keep the good teams in it, even when they run into some bad luck. And it helps to keep the teams that are winning those, like you said, those 89 to 75 
type games, it, it they still get victory points, obviously, for the win, but they don't get as many because they're not finishing in the top half. So it really rewards the better teams and and sort of um, balances out the, you know, I really think that the, the, the best six teams in that league make the playoffs pretty much every year because those victory points don't really lie the way the record can sometimes. So, yeah, I like, I like the idea. Maybe we can bring it up for, for our draft where um, like you said, it, it does, it's gotta be, you know, and I, I've been on both ends where, yeah, you you luck out and things like that, but to know that, and you, you can look back and see where, yeah, some teams are getting, you know, they put up, 1600 points but they're getting outscored by another 200 it's like well obviously yeah it's like one of the highest scoring teams and that's what it's all about is the points and all that yeah you know we have our tiebreakers set up the way they are and that's that's honestly what even kept you and i in it was the ability to get there based on a point basis maybe versus head to head you know i actually didn't even go back and look but yeah i'm still i'm still hanging in my work league so i'm hoping to uh get right tonight on that level i got a I'm down, but I got Stafford going with my kicker. The other guy's got, I am going against who? Oh, he's got James Conner. So I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm going to make it out of that league. I'm, <laughs> I, I took a bad loss last week, so we'll see what happens. And then the sleeper league, I just uh, tried to help you get through uh, this season, maybe as the W. I got you a couple quarterbacks and, uh, you know, in exchange for draft picks. So I'm kicking my can down the road in, in multiple leagues. Yeah, that was. Uh me pulling a Rudy there for, for that one <laughs> mortgaging the future because I got a good team and I, it, it almost, uh, I don't say came back to bite me. It, it actually, it actually helped this week. I, I was down pretty big to uh, a team with only three wins. And uh, thanks to Aaron Rodgers, 53 point outburst versus the bears. I, uh, I am currently up to, we both still have a couple players to go tonight, but I think it it stands to reason that I should hold uh, hold on for for a win here, which is which would be huge because losing to uh, a team with that's really out of it is 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 tough in this league because it's not a head to head or or you know whatever it's basically just best overall record, most points scored, and and I'm up there in the points. I think I'm I want to say I'm either first or second in total points. So far this year, so second. Yeah, you're like. pretty far up. That's, I mean, at one point you were top in the league, and then some. I mean, a couple of them guys were like ten wins in a row almost. It was like Jesus, man. But it, it's a different. Yeah, it's getting used to that as like a different animal altogether. Trying to figure out on a weekly basis. Yeah, where you're you're not really doing much adjusting. It's maybe pulling a, a one hit wonder off the waiver wire. So that's that's an interesting one. I like the super flex thing. Maybe we can try to get that. I always wanted two quarterbacks in our league. I always felt mm-hmm. like. We rely so much on running back, wide receiver, tight end that, you know, you do, you see a lot of the quarterbacks that are, you know, we only need 12 because we have 12 teams, but you see a lot of them guys on the outside that could get more involved outside of a bye week. So every time I bring it up, it's like, no, but I don't want a kicker in our league. It's like, okay, so you don't want more points. You want just not a kicker. (laughs) All right, whatever. Yeah. Is what it is, yeah. But and and shout out the bird, uh, number one team. Uh, Unfortunately, I'm still disappointed I'm, I'm doing the prognosticating with you pat and still am, am kind of mesmerized that you would keep a, a cold water receiver in your starting lineup and keep one of the hottest running backs in in football on your bench granted a little bitter might have helped me at least have some hope for tonight but uh big shout out to the number one <clears throat> to the number one team in our league and uh i wish you nothing but the worst in the, uh, in the playoffs. <laughs> All right. 
I have to root for Jay. Not that I wouldn't anyway, but he is uh, he is my partner in our that other league I was telling you about, which is you know sort of our most lucrative league. Which it looks like as of right now, looks like we are going to go into the playoffs as the number one seed with a bye. So you know, hopefully, uh, if he gets lucky, hopefully it's in that league and and not our league of record. But uh, we will see how that goes. Uh, so uh, going into this week, uh, you. Did a little uh, digging, and and you didn't have to dig too deep or too far for uh, any uh, running backs on the on the waiver wire this week, huh? Yeah, no, didn't even didn't even need a shovel. I could I could dig them up with a spoon. <laughs> yeah, so so let's jump into uh, enough of our. Uh, nobody cares about how our fantasy teams did. We'll we'll talk about. Uh, we suck, <laughs> but we're going to tell you who to pick, guys. Don't worry, we got. Neither you. of us made the playoffs, but no, but you know. That's what that's the way it goes in fantasy. You you've yep. you've been bitten by the injury bug pretty bad this year, and and still you know to come down to week fourteen was still a chance to make the playoffs. I, I you know I gotta say you, you did a pretty good job. I uh, I'm always impressed by your ability to truly go for broke, and and you know you're this year you kind of got the go, and next year you'll be broke, but. Uh, if you, you know, ain't first, you're last, and that's <laughs> when I'm gonna be last <laughs> next year. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so let's jump into our waiver wire pickups for this week at the running back position. Looks like there's only, at least from what I could find, there's only really two guys that I think would be worth adding. You know, obviously, there's probably a bunch of guys that are worth adding. Uh, but as far as, you know, waiver wire pickups that you could possibly pick up and plug into your lineup immediately if necessary. The first one is Rashad Penny from the Seattle Seahawks. I know it feels like we do a lot of, point chasing when it comes to waiver wire pickups and and penny obviously uh had a huge week he went 16 carries for 137 yards two touchdowns and then added a, a reception for one yard but i think he ended up being the virus i mean excuse me the running back one on the week if i'm not mistaken oh sorry number two behind dalvin cook but uh Seattle's been looking for a running back. You know, obviously they signed Adrian Peterson since Chris Carson went down. They've kind of, you know, just been bouncing back and forth between, you know, who they had on their roster and guys that they're signing off of the street. And, you know, it's just a matter of trying to find a guy that they feel they can hand the ball off to 15 plus times a game. And I feel like Pete Carroll has always really liked Rashad Penny. He has always, you know, Pete Carroll talks well of, of all of his players, but he really seems to come out for Rashad Penny and really show uh, how, how much he likes this guy. And the fact that he's finally healthy, that Chris Carson is not there and Penny is, you know, kind of the next man up, uh, so to speak. He proved Pete Carroll right. He proved that, you know, he's got the juice to to produce when given the opportunity. And I think moving forward, he's going to continue to get that opportunity until he fails with it. And so I think he's probably a guy that you could pick up this week. Uh, I know that I'm going to try to add him in pretty much all my leagues if available, not just because I want another running back, but because going into the playoffs, you want to keep those players who have the potential of scoring a lot of points out of the reach of other owners in your league. So even if you're not looking for a running back, you're not hurting at the running back position. You know, you you have a, a pretty solid lineup set already. It doesn't hurt to grab, you know, one of these hot waiver wire guys. Now Rashad Penny may come out next week and have six carries for 12 yards and 
you know, you may end up dropping him. But if he ends up being the bell cow back for Seattle and continues to, you know, churn out these productive fantasy weeks, you don't want him on another roster. You also want to make sure that you have a bunch of guys that you can plug in in case of an injury or like we've seen numerous times throughout this and last fantasy season, these guys pop up on the COVID list all of a sudden out of nowhere on Friday or Saturday. And now you don't have a replacement because you didn't plan ahead. So anytime you can get your hands on any of these running backs or wide receivers who look like they could be in a role, an increased role, or could be taking on a little bit more of their team's offense, you want to go out and grab those guys right away and make sure that you have them rostered so that you can either use them in a pinch or so that they can't basically be used against you come down the stretch in the playoffs. No, I agree. Uh, again, just real quick, I, I I know it's it's tough, but yeah, to see a guy like that flash that potential in an offense that's struggling to find a running back of any sort to stay healthy and things like that, yeah, I, I think he's he's worthy of a roster spot right now. Uh, Seattle's trying to make a backdoor playoff push, so they're they're not going to slow down. Yeah, another guy who, you know, maybe not on the same level as Penny. He's not. He's definitely not going to be a guy who gets all of the work for his team. But surprisingly, he's still getting quite a bit of it is Devontae Booker for the New York Giants. He's available in like 75% of leagues. He didn't have the greatest game in the world this week. He went, uh, he had eight rushes for 56 yards, had four catches on five targets for 28 yards. The Giants, they're just, they haven't bailed on him. You know, Saquon Barkley went down for that, that stretch, four or five weeks, whatever it was. And, you know, Booker did a really good job in Barkley's place. And I think that, you know, the Giants sort of saw that and realized that this guy is talented. Plus, I mean, if you've been watching the games, you can see that Barkley is just not the same guy that he was two years ago. He, I mean, maybe with more opportunities, he starts to pick things up and, you know, look like the old explosive Saquon Barkley that we're used to seeing, but it just hasn't happened this year. Right now, the last three games, Barkley has been back. The Giants have basically given Devontae Booker roughly 45% of the snaps and opportunities out of the backfield that carries and targets. And Barkley's getting about 55%. So now Barkley has been a little bit more productive with his touches uh, over those those last few games. But Booker's still respectable. And in a PPR league, you're looking at you know, 12 plus points from, from what he put up this past week, he put up a a pretty respectable total and he's still getting touches in the, in that offense. I know it's not a great offense, but you know, again, if you're, if you're looking for a guy just to get in there and get you some touches, a guy like Booker who has proven that he can do it and is still obviously a a part of what the giants want to do on offense. I feel like he's a, a decent pickup. He's he's probably not going to be a guy you're excited to get out and, and grab and, and try to start, but he is somebody who uh, in a pinch can at least get you some carries and some targets out of the backfield. Yeah. No, I, uh, again, he, Saquon does not look healthy. He, you know, a lot of, a lot going on trying to come back another injury, trying to come back and, and yeah, Booker has been pretty consistent for him most of the season. Um, again, that offense is a bit of a mess, but 
um, probably the safest floor out of anybody right now, like I said, is Booker where, you know, he might get you uh, a nine to 12 as a flex or something like that. So uh, he's almost more start worthy than Saquon because you can, you can kind of depend on what he's giving you. At least recently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did have one running back just yeah. to add real quick as a, a little bit of a homer, so to speak. I know his, Performance before the bye was a little based on a backup quarterback coming in, which some things are still a little cloudy, so it remains to be seen. But uh, Kenny Gainwell from the Eagles, he had a great game uh, right before the bye with Gardner Minshew and a quarterback. Just took a quick peek, and it looks like like as far as the team goes, which which has an offense that, that can move the football a little bit. A lot of injuries around the running back spot. Gainwell's been pretty much healthy all season. Last four weeks, he leads all Eagles running backs in targets and red zone targets. Uh, in that time, he's got 90% re- receiving percentage. So, I mean, again, it, it looks like maybe they're trying to get him more involved. At the beginning of the year, he looked like he was going to get used and then suddenly kind of disappeared. And, and again, that was with Jalen Hurts under center. So it's going to be, you know, maybe a different concept going forward. Obviously, Hurts right now was a high ankle sprain two to four weeks, uh, was able to get a bye week. So he should come back. But to see the production that's able to come out of him and with Sanders being a little unreliable with injury, Jordan Howard's still not quite 100%. You might see him as a possible, you know, matchup based, I guess, to say flex position. Definitely not worthy of like RB, RB2 category or anything. He has some of those games, but he definitely does put up some points, I think, and could be worthy of just a, a bench spot and then eventually maybe even uh, make it into your starting lineup. What I would, uh, I guess, like to put out there as far as, uh, running backs and you know waiver wire pickups and and things like that. I do not necessarily believe in handcuffing all of your running backs. I think there are certain guys who, uh, like in the case of Dalvin Cook, who has a, a clear backup who is going to take you know pretty much the ninety to one hundred percent of of the work that the starter gets upon injury. You know, like Alexander Madison would. I think in those cases, I think it's it's fine to handcuff your running backs, but I think during the year, there's so much injuries and and kind of ebbs and flows with playing time and, and committee backfields where, you know, certain guys become a little bit more valuable. I think you need those roster spots for guys that are, that you're kind of riding the stock ticker with, you know what I mean? Guys, guys are going up and going down and you want to kind of add and drop based off of the trajectory of, you know, each of these players games, I think you need those roster spots, but during the playoffs, there's no more bye weeks. So you're going into the playoffs with this sort of idea that this is my lineup going forward. You're pretty much going to start the same players basically every week, barring, you know, maybe you have a wide receiver or running back with a really good or a really bad matchup. And you have somebody on the bench that has a really good or a really bad matchup. So you may switch out, you know, your flex spot or, your wide receiver two, running back two spot, whatever. But for the most part, you have a pretty good idea of what your roster looks like. And they, you know, the certain there's probably certain guys who have gotten you this far. And those are the, the guys you're going to stick with. I do believe now is the time to go out and pick up pretty much any handcuff that is going to get 60 plus percent of the work, you know, if and when the the, the starter goes down, if there's some kind of injury. Guys like, you know, we talked about Devontae Booker. He he instantly becomes a startable asset if something happens to Saquon Barkley. Guys like Khalil Herbert, who proved that when David Montgomery went out, 
He could handle the load. He could produce for your fantasy team. You know, a lot of people have since dropped him for good reason. He doesn't touch the ball hardly at all anymore. So there's no point in keeping him on your roster. But if you're a David Montgomery owner, you need to go out and grab Khalil Herbert and put him on your bench just in case something happens because you don't want to get stuck trying to make a playoff run. And then all of a sudden, one of your, your big name running backs goes out and you have nobody to replace them. So I think th- this is just my personal, the way that I play fantasy football. It, it, is, it has done me well in the past. I've, I've avoided some major catastrophe just by having the right guy on my bench. So guys like Latavius Murray, who, you know, Murray's still getting a few carries here and there. But if Devontae Freeman goes down, Murray is literally the number one and probably, you know, by a wide margin on his team. Guys like Ronald Jones, um, who, you know, don't really have a lot of value right now. But if Leonard Fournette goes down, um, obviously, Jones becomes a starting running back on, uh, you know, the, the, the top offense in in the entire league. So go out and grab these guys now. Not only do I like to grab my handcuffs, but I also like to look at my matchups and start picking up handcuffs for the teams that I'm going to be playing against the next week. So if I look and I see, you know, a guy, I'm going against a guy with Leonard Fournette, I may go ahead and pick up Ronald Jones especially if you can do it a week ahead of time, if you, if you have some sort of set bracket where you know, like, okay, these are the, these are the teams I'm going to be playing or one of the two teams I'm going to be playing. Um, you can, you can really get a huge advantage if, you know, somebody gets injured, even if it's just for a week, they get injured and now they don't have the the opportunity or the ability to go pick up their, the handcuff or the, you know, the backup running back on that specific team, because now you have them. So I, I do like to, you know, keep the actual, waiver running backs to a minimum in the playoffs. If you made the playoffs, you should, you should kind of have uh, at least a halfway decent lineup already. So I don't, I don't really think you need, you know, to add a ton of, uh, you know, potential starters per se off of the waiver wire. I think, you know, add in some guys for protection definitely is a big help. A hundred percent. And and to add to that, let alone on the injury front, I, I briefly touched on it earlier talking about a, a previous year in the league where some of these top teams, not a lot of them, there is more parity this year than ever, but you're looking at Green Bay, Tampa Bay, Arizona, that look to be Arizona slightly, the Dallas Cowboys, even even New England's kind of starting to pull away a tiny bit. If the team gets to a point where they can rest starters and you don't have the backup, you're screwed unless mm-hmm. you have somebody else on your team that can jump right in uh, on, a, on a matchup base like that. So suddenly... You could get to week 16 and maybe let's just say, like you just talked about, like Leonard Fournette, you know, they're going to rest him a little bit. So suddenly, yeah, Ronald Jones, uh, Giovanni Bernard become a little more integral for a week or two just to kind of get the offense by that. That's something you have to be ready for where, again, versus Green Bay, they have, uh, you know, Aaron Jones, Dylan, they're using them a little intertwined. Um, You could see a little bit of craziness on that in Dallas. Obviously, the NFC East is pretty much looking like theirs unless they really fall apart at the end. And they're going to make the playoffs. They could look to push maybe to get a tiebreaker. But at the end of the day, they're going to make sure that they go in there as 100 percent as humanly possible. Um, These are these are some of the other reasons that you do want to have those handcuffs where you get to the fantasy playoffs and you might actually need, you know, Benjamin to be a starter or a flex on your team because of the way the matchups just fell out. And you don't have any other options. So, uh, you know, a Larry Roundtree for Eckler, who suddenly, you know, they made the playoffs. Not right now, they're a game behind the Chiefs. But 
you have to pay attention to the real football stats on that level. Uh, Titans are a couple games ahead of the Colts. Colts are going to make a push, but Titans could start to rest people if they clinch the division in that last week or two. You don't want to go into your final or the second leg of your final, uh, even if you're up big, uh, and turn around and just have mishmash to throw out there and fingers crossed and hiding under the covers. So like you said, Pat, you want to have the backups for injuries and you do want to have them ready to go in case uh, anybody on your starting lineup that's gotten you so far, they got you 15 weeks, 16 weeks, and suddenly Andy Reid decides to sit Pat Mahomes. That's one thing you could find a streamer, a quarterback. Uh, but if you were living off of Kelsey and Tyree Kill and they only play a half, you better be ready to go because they're they're not going to get as much usage as they did. So those days of combining for 30 points just drop down to 10. Uh, you need to make up the difference quick. You better have somebody ready to go. Yeah, especially in leagues that play all the way to the end uh, to week 18, like we do in our league of record. Mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of, you know, obviously I, I watch and listen to a lot of other fantasy content out there. There's a lot of people in the fantasy community that really sort of scoff at week 18 championship play. But I would say this, last year we saw a lot fewer teams resting starters because number one, there's more teams that are vying for just, you know, the final wild card spot with seven teams now making the playoffs. And with there only being one by, unless you're, you know, a game or two ahead going into week 18 where, you know, you're a game ahead and you have the tiebreaker or you're two games ahead, that whole resting guys may not be as commonplace moving forward. And I, and I hope it's not for fantasy football sake, because I would like to get to the point where every league plays all the way to week 18, because it, extending the fantasy season another week is just a week more fun than we get to have playing fantasy football. So I would mm-hmm. like to see all leagues uh, eventually get to the point where they don't feel scared or worried to play in week 18. Um, but you're right that there is still those instances where, you know, certain guys get rested at the end of the year because, you know, they're more important to a playoff run than they are to to winning a meaningless week 18 game. All right. So you want to move on to the wide receivers? I feel like we covered running backs the best we could. Yeah. Yeah. I know you had a, you had a couple names there in the wideouts, and then we'll, uh, we'll start to look at QBs and tight ends and defense. Yeah. So just a couple of guys that, uh, again, you know, I, I, we, we try to keep these waiver wire pickups to players that are available in 50% of leagues or better. And, and I do my best to sort of go through the three top sites, NFL, ESPN and yahoo.com and just kind of average out the roster percentages. So, you, you know, your league specifically, some of these guys may not be available, but they're, they're available in enough leagues to where we feel like we can bring them up and it's going to relate to at least a decent amount of uh, the people listening to the podcast. So the first one that we're going to talk about is Devontae Parker. I know the Dolphins just came off a buy or are coming off a buy this week, but Parker's available in about 62% of leagues. And when he's healthy, Tua looks for Parker. I know that, you know, Jalen Waddell is getting all the hype this year and deservedly so. He He's definitely been, I mean, besides Jamar Chase, I feel like he's been the best rookie wide receiver you know, out of this draft class as far as production goes this year. So when Parker is healthy and in the lineup, he's averaging eight targets a game, which is uh, 22.6% of the team's targets. Jalen Waddell in the games that he's played has averaged 22.7% of targets. So only 0.1% higher of the targets. 
in the games that he's played compared. Now I'm not saying like in those games where Parker and Waddle have played together, those, those games have been, been somewhere Parker's been targeted more Waddle's been targeted more, but I'm just saying in their games, can't necessarily compare for the season because Parker obviously hasn't played as many games. He's been injured, but when he's out there, he's getting Jalen Waddle type uh, targets and he's producing with them. He's missed over half of Miami's games and he's still fourth on the team in targets and receptions. And Miami has three pretty good matchups in the fantasy playoffs. They play the jets who are actually fairly decent against the wide receiver but they give up the most points in the league. And it just, that just so happens to come to running backs most, most of the time. And that's generally because teams just run the ball against the jets, but it's not like you can't pass against them. They just happen to not give up a ton of fantasy points to wide receivers because all the running backs are hogging them before, uh, you know, the, the receivers get a chance to. So they're not necessarily a terrible matchup. It's the saints who are the third worst team to wide receivers and the Tennessee Titans who are the second worst team to wide receivers so far on the year. So, uh, I mean, if Devontae Parker can stay healthy for, you know, at least the next few weeks, he's got a shot to to crack your roster and actually help you win a, a fantasy championship. So I think if Devontae Parker is out there, he is absolutely a must add. Uh, even if you have, even like I said, even if you have your wide receiver core sort of set, Parker is a guy who basically can push his way in there with, uh, with his production. He's, he's been that good this year when he's played. Uh, second guy on the list is Amon Rossi Brown. Rudy, you just happened to pick him up this week and played him against me and uh, helped you uh, secure the the victory this week. He's available in roughly 89% of leagues still. He went eight for 73 this past week, uh, you know, which is respectable, especially in a PPR league. But the last two weeks, he's tied for fourth in total targets in the league. Now, we still have a Monday night game, obviously, tonight to play uh, where Cooper Cup is probably going to jump into there. So he would be uh, he would drop down to fifth. But he's had 24 targets in the last two weeks. He's turned those 22 targets into 18 receptions for 159 yards and a touchdown. He leads Detroit's wide receiver core in total targets for the year and is only eight behind TJ Hawkinson. Now, Hawkinson has been basically their main target the entire year. And St. Brown being a rookie didn't get as much playing time or as many targets earlier in the year, but is getting targeted so much more frequently recently that he's almost caught up to Hawkinson for the team lead in, in targets. And I just feel like watching those games, watching, you know, Detroit have to come back and, you know, throwing the ball 35 plus times a game. It just seems like golf and St. Brown have, a connection now. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely one of those things where rapport develops over the season. And, uh, and I think it's developed between, between those two guys. And I think that, you know, again, he's maybe not a guy you're going to rush out to grab and start right away, but I, I think he's obviously a viable option in your flex position. If somebody goes down or if you just maybe don't have a, a great option for your flex spot now, yeah, just to piggyback that. Yeah, no, I did. I, I had Elijah Moore on my team, and and obviously he went on the the injury list. So yeah, I'm scrambling to pick up somebody, and I know he had been a a hot name. And and yeah, looking back, even the beginning of the season, he had started to get worked in pretty quick. Took him a little bit to get acclimated to that offense, and 
lo and behold, yeah, you're starting to see that come to fruition. You have DeAndre Swift and, and Hawkinson was out, so that kind of helps to keep him as busy as possible. But, yeah, you, you are really starting to see where golf uh, looks to him, uh, not comparing them totally based on skill, but as a as a target monster. Uh, you saw what golf did when he had Cooper Cup for a couple seasons, so he, he kind of has that look to him of that guy that's going to make some plays, be there, catch the ball, possibly even get a score for you. And yeah, he had a couple double digit games prior in the season. And then obviously that offense kind of plateaued again. It's not a, it's not a world beater by any stretch, but if they're just going to be there to, like you said, stay in games and try to keep going and, and score points. And, you know, they, they want to win more than one game this season. So they're not going to just, uh, you know, leave the gym on a miss by any stretch. Uh, they have Arizona, Atlanta, Seattle, and green Bay. Again, Green Bay week 18, that's one of those personally that it could be a Green Bay kind of shutting things down because they're already in a good spot. And, you know, they, they try to keep Detroit respectable, but they're not worried about holding them back or, or maybe fighting for a, a playoff spot. Tiebreaker, maybe. Um, Seattle secondary has been so-so. Atlanta, you know, they give up points left and right. Arizona, that'd probably be a little bit of a tough matchup for him next week. But, yeah, he's a guy who could help you finish your season strong as a flex and and possibly, uh, you know, depending on how your team goes with with injuries and the like, it could be a, a borderline uh, a wide receiver, too, for you if he keeps up the volume that he's doing in, in 15 plus a game. Another guy who, again, he's not a guy that you're going to plug in every single week. We're not saying that these, you know, waiver wire pickups are guys that you have to go out and get and start. We understand that, you know, again, like like I said earlier, you probably have your roster fairly set going into the playoffs. But you do want to continue to add depth pieces. You do want to continue to add, uh, again, pieces to keep away from your opponents. And another guy that sort of falls into that category for me is Kendrick Bourne with the New England Patriots. He's available in roughly 66% of leagues. Uh, he was also on by this week, so I don't have any stats for, for his most recent uh, or for, for his week 14 game. But um, Bourne has really kind of become Mac Jones's most reliable target he's not getting a ton of volume because they just don't throw a lot the buffalo game aside in that you know crazy <laughs> hurricane or whatever the hell they were playing and it's funny i was looking at the stats today and i'm like wait why does every other team have targets listed in week 13 but the patriots don't and then i scrolled down and i realized oh that's right they only had three uh yep. total uh in that game so but even without that game uh you know that game aside over the past Four weeks, the three main receivers for the Patriots, we're talking Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers, and Nelson Aguilar. Bourne has 29 targets to Myers, 34. Uh, Aguilar comes in a third with 24. But Bourne actually has the most receptions. 24 of those 29 targets were caught. And he's got the most touchdowns in the last four weeks. He's got three receiving touchdowns, two Aguilar's two, and Jacoby Myers one. So while all three guys are sort of, you know, getting somewhere in that, you know, seven to eight targets per game range on average, I personally feel like Kendrick Bourne has shown and has shown more recently. If you look at his target totals, they are sort of trending up while the other two wide receivers are trending down or staying the same. And I feel like it's because Mac Jones knows that if he goes to Kendrick Bourne, Bourne's going to do something with it. Not only is he really good with, you know, yards after the catch, 
but he's also seems to have the surest hands on the team. And now I don't know if that's because he plays in the slot. I know it's a lot, a lot harder to cover guys that are in the slot because of, you know, how much field you, you should, you have to cover as, as a defender, but you know, born, whatever he's doing, he's doing it well. And I think that Mac Jones is going to continue to look to him to keep this offense moving, you know, when they do have to throw the ball. Yeah, no, it, it is. Um, Mac Jones has been efficient. Uh, and again, Belichick, yeah, he's putting him in a spot where he's trying to just help him along to learn the offense. He's been coming along pretty strong. And then, yeah, obviously you see the the blip that was the the Buffalo game. But yeah, coming out of a bye, uh, you know that he's definitely getting everybody on the same page. Like at the beginning of the season, they looked a little sketchy, but you've, you've really seen them come along as an offense. Um probably right around like the Dallas game, um, you know, where they took like a tough OT loss and then they had the Jets the next week, which definitely righted the ship. But ever since then, uh, you've seen Bourne obviously does more with with the touchdown angle than than Myers does. And uh, again, Aguilar tends to be more of a, a real deep threat, if at all anything, when he catches the ball. But yeah, Kendrick Bourne's probably been, like you said, the most consistent guy for him all season. And uh, nobody associated the passing game with that team as well. So he's definitely a guy worthy of a roster spot and definitely uh, could slide into flex potential. Uh, got some, you know, got a Jacksonville matchup down the road there in, in week 17, which is looking pretty good. Revenge game, Buffalo, Miami at the end of the season. So, yeah, a lot of these could shake out, uh, you know, where he's definitely going to get you double digits in that maybe like 15 maybe plus points, you know, if, if he gets a lot of receptions, if you're in PPR and, and maybe that touchdown to get you over the hump. Uh, I did have one name to add. I know you, you, you had a few guys out there and and uh, actually looking at percentages of ownerships is a shade under 50 in most of them. I think Russell Gage is probably worthy of a little bit. A lot of people probably have him by now just because he's definitely going to be a guy that that's probably rostered based on the concept of him now really being a wide receiver one, and that is justified probably in the last four weeks where he's averaging over 15 points a game the last four weeks. Uh, he's wide receiver 20. That is definitely wide receiver two, uh, if not possibly a one, depending on your lineup or the matchup. Uh, and 14th overall in targets in, in the last four weeks. And it looks like uh, NFL.com in our league, uh, it's about 47%. It's about 45 in ESPN and, and under 40 in Yahoo. So I know that that can be a factor for some leagues where you do have a guy like that out there. And nobody's really paying attention to Atlanta's offense because they're not a good team. Um, again, if he's floating out there or somebody released him for, uh, you know, waiver purposes and he's floating around out there, he's absolutely startable. I, I mean, again, it, it's no secret. I know, Pat, you talked about him a couple of times so far this season, but he's definitely seemed like he's come into his own. And for whatever Matt Ryan has left in the tank, it's not. Kyle Pitts, and we know that Calvin Ridley's not there, and he's finally healthy. So it does look like Russell Gage is definitely a, a name to have on your roster and probably should already be in your starting lineup, depending on uh, on your situation. Yeah, Gage is, is also one of those guys that I do believe should be added. I think, again, he's, he's one of those guys where I, I feel like he's very up and down, and he's going to be pretty tough to start. But a lot of guys on this list fall under that same sort of umbrella of, you know, is it a good week to start this guy? What What is the matchup or whatever? So, yeah, I think I think Gage is definitely a, a higher end matchup based play where if, 
you know, the Falcons are like, I wouldn't have played him this week. He had a, a decent week. Uh, I think he went four for 64 or something this week. I probably wouldn't have played him this week because Carolina's defense has been pretty good. But I think that moving forward, like you said, with a couple of good matchups, yeah, he's absolutely a guy that you could throw into your flex spot. And, you know, he's, he's going to, he's going to get his share of, of the targets being the number one, you know, option in that offense. So yeah, he's, he's definitely a guy who, who makes sense to pick up. I think did he lead the team in targets. Yeah. He led uh, him Pitts and Mike Davis all had six targets this week. So, and yeah, he was four for 64. So, you know, he's, he's a guy who is going to put up respectable numbers. And if he scores a touchdown, like you said, he could, he could be in that 15 to, to 18 point range if he scores. Uh, the last guy I'm going to mention is just going to be quick because we've mentioned him uh, pretty much every waiver episode uh, every week since uh, probably yeah, you, like we finally eight. released them too, man. What's up? You all right? No, no, I, I, I never had, I don't think I ever had him in, in our league. Oh no, I had to drop him. <clears throat> I did have to drop him to pick up yeah. running back. Yeah. Uh, just in time. Feeling well. <laughs> no, just in time. Cause he, I think he goosed that week and I thought I could get him back for this week, which I believe he's still available in our league. But uh, the guy we're talking about is Rashad Bateman for the Baltimore Ravens. He's available in roughly 77% of leagues had his best game as a pro his first hundred yard game uh, this week versus the Browns. Had eight targets, seven catches for 103 yards, and he really stepped up with a couple of really big catches towards the end of the game. And even with Lamar Jackson out with that injury, uh, with the ankle injury, he he gave him a shot to to come back and win that game. The Browns were up pretty big for most of that game, and and you know the Ravens came back and and made it a game, and and Bateman almost you know, help to, to turn it around for them and, and get him a, a, a W. But if you've rostered him at any point in this year, it's been kind of disappointing. You know, we've talked about him numerous times as, you know, sort of being this training camp superstar. And then, you know, obviously didn't get to play in the beginning of the year because of injury. So I think he just needs to get targets, uh, get himself more comfortable in the offense. And I feel like he's Hopefully, I feel like he's earned that, you know, with the play moving forward. I feel like with Sammy Watkins healthy and in the game, there's going to be a competition at that number two wide receiver position. Obviously, Hollywood Brown's the number one. Sammy Watkins has had his opportunity in the NFL for for many, many years. And he, you know, he's had really big games and he even had one season that was uh, a fairly respectable season. But he's had numerous opportunities and he's never been he's never turned into the guy that I think he was drafted to be. You know, he was a first round draft pick, very highly sought after uh, in the draft. And he just never became, you know, that true alpha number one wide receiver. I think he's like a Mike Williams, like same kind of guy. Yes. Yeah. All the physical talent in the world, but for whatever reason, just can't seem to put everything together on the field. And I think that Bateman is, I think that Bateman is going to be given the opportunity to show whether or not he's that guy before they're willing to give Sammy Watkins another opportunity to prove that he isn't that guy. Moving forward, I do see Bateman sort of getting more targets, more snaps, being more involved in the offense. And then if he fails to produce, you know, maybe they turn back to Watkins, but um, he is a guy that I think could continue to see seven plus targets for the rest of the season, especially in an offense like the the Ravens, who being even being the fact that they 
uh, are one of the best rushing teams in the NFL. They also throw the ball a lot. And, um, you know, Lamar Jackson is uh, top eight as far as pass attempts per game. So I think a lot of the rushing comes from when Jackson drops back to pass and doesn't see something he likes and then, you know, decides at that point that he's going to take off and run. And that's where, you know, a lot of their rushing yards come from. But I do like Bateman moving forward for the for the rest of the season. Yeah. And if, and if Huntley starts a couple games, if that ankle sprain is bad, he obviously looked to him pretty strong, uh, like you said. And, and, you know, Baltimore just looking at it, they're top 12, 13 in pass attempts. So, yeah, they like you said, they do. Well, they're a ground team. We know that. But their offense does uh, does throw the football. So whether it's Lamar, whether it's Tyler Huntley trying to get them in games. And obviously, if Bateman has a game like he had the other day where, you know, he seven of eight for 103, that's somebody you can kind of bet on, so to speak. And, and Cleveland has a decent defense. Uh, he's got a couple tough matchups maybe coming down the road. But if they want to establish him and, and really give him a chance to shine and he's starting to warm up a little bit coming off of injuries and, and different things like that, then, yeah, I think he's definitely a guy that can that could probably be a solid flex for you uh, if he keeps up the, you know, seven-plus targets a game, absolutely. All right, so I think that's it for our wide receiver waivers. We do have some streamers available for you for your quarterbacks, your tight ends, your defense, special teams. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of do these each week just kind of based off of matchups. We know that, again, going into the fantasy playoffs, more than likely you have your roster set. But I have to say from experience, there's been many years where I have – basically just foregone my quarterback in the draft and streamed quarterbacks for the entire season. So I think that, you know, obviously there are still fantasy owners out there that do that. I believe that streaming defenses is the only way to play fantasy football. If you listen to, uh, you know, one of our very first episodes, our draft strategies episode, I am very big on never drafting a defense or kicker until the last two rounds of the draft. I don't believe that you can predict defense because it, it it really does depend so much on matchups and you know play styles and things like that. So uh, you know we're going to give you some some streaming options for your playoff run that you know and we'll do this for you each week. Give you some options where if you are happen to be streaming uh, a defense or a quarterback or perhaps even a tight end, you'll have some options available to you, and, and we'll be able to kind of talk you through some of the. Uh, better matchups for the week. We'll start with quarterbacks. One of the better options I think this week dreaming is Justin Fields versus the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings are the fourth worst team to the quarterback position and absolute dead last to the quarterback position the last six weeks. They just gave up with 30, almost 32 points to Ben Roethlisberger uh, on Thursday night. And uh, Rudy, you you use that knowledge to to crush me in fantasy this week. So congratulations. Uh, but Minnesota is one of those teams where you can just play, you can play your your quarterback against them. They, for whatever reason, do not know how to close out games. They constantly are letting teams. It, it's funny because when you play a quarterback against Minnesota, you watch the game and you're like watching the first half and you're like, oh boy, I made a big mistake. But you just know in the back <laughs> of your head that, the, you know, the tables are going to turn and that same Minnesota team that played in the first half 
is going to stay in the locker room and a, a bunch of different guys are going to come out with the same Jersey numbers on. And I mean, I, that's the only thing I can think happens. Like they must go in there and just take off their uniform and just like give it to these, these other guys. And like, oh, we're, we're done for the day. Um, but fields fields had a, a pretty respectable day against the Packers uh, last night. And I do think while fields is not, by any means a guy who's going to throw for 300 yards and and three or four touchdowns. He does give you that element of rushing that you love to get out of your quarterback Sunday night game. He rushed nine times for 74 yards. So if you think about, you know, if you're in a four point passing touchdown league, we play in a six. um, But if you're in a four point passing touchdown league, 74 yards rushing, is basically worth almost two extra passing touchdowns. So if you have these guys, this is why, you know, last week we talked about Taysom Hill and, you know, even potentially Cam Newton. We understand that these guys are not Joe Montana. They're not Tom Brady. Like, we get it. But fantasy points, you don't have to be, you know, the the most accurate or the best passer or be able to read defenses or any of that stuff to be a viable fantasy quarterback. You just need to be able to put fantasy points on the board and you, you can do that actually easier with your legs than you can with your arm in most scoring systems. So I do like rushing quarterbacks and I do love the matchup this week uh, against the Minnesota Vikings for fields. Another guy that you could play in a pinch this week is Ben Roethlisberger. Again, this week he gets the Tennessee Titans. <laughs> it's starting to become a trend. It's actually, he's not bad. Huh? <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, right? Like, uh, I, it's, I mean, it is what it is. I think, you know, the Steelers defense sort of kept them in games early in the season. And now they seem to not really be what they were earlier. We, you know, whether that's injury, whether it's, you know, teams just, you know, sort of figuring out blocking schemes to, to you know, keep their pass rushers at bay or, or whatever it is. Roethlisberger is starting to have to throw more in order to, keep the Steelers in these games. And I think there's an, at least a chance in this game that he has to do that against the Tennessee Titans. The Titans are the fifth worst team to the quarterback position overall. They've actually been a little bit better the, the last six games, but some of that has been due to match up their, their, the 16th worst team in the last six weeks. But Roethlisberger just put up two good weeks in a row. Rudy, you called his um, – You he was your start of the week two weeks in a row and has finished in the top 10 two weeks in a row. Actually, will probably finish in the top four or five this week. Uh, so he does have that ability in him. And I think that the Tennessee Titans' pass defense has been porous enough to where another top 10 finish is completely within reason for Roethlisberger this week. I also like Jimmy Garoppolo against Atlanta. Atlanta's the second worst team to the quarterback position and sixth worst over the the last six weeks. Jimmy Garoppolo, again, is not one of these guys who generally goes out and lights up the scoreboard. But I do think that he's got a ton of talent on that team. Brandon Ayuk is starting to get more involved. They've got Debo Samuel, you know, playing all over the place in that offense. Kittle is finally back and healthy. And has just been, I mean, the last two weeks, I think George Kittle has well over 300 yards um, receiving. So I think Jimmy G is, you know, good enough to get the ball to those guys. He doesn't turn it over a ton. So you don't have to really worry too much about 
you know, giving back points to, to turnovers. And against Atlanta, who just bleeds points, I think that, you know, this could be one of those games where a screen pass to, to Debo or, uh, you know, any, any, there's a, there's a ton of other options where, you know, it's not just a standard pass that, that you see getting a touchdown, which Garoppolo is completely capable of, but the 49ers offense sort of mixes things up so well that I think you could, you could see one of these bubble screens or, you know, even a, even a screen to the running back, you know, th- those technically count as, uh, you know, passing yards and, and touchdowns. So I think there's a very good possibility that the, the 49ers put up a pretty big number on the Falcons. And I, I think that Jimmy Garoppolo could be the, the benefactor of a, a pretty high scoring 49ers offense. This could also be a game where the 49ers have four rushing touchdowns, but that's possible any week. But I do think against a team like Atlanta, you can, you can think about streaming Jimmy G and, uh, you know, him not killing you if you don't have another option at quarterback. And the last guy I'm going to recommend with a little hesitation is going to be Ryan Tannehill versus Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is the 16th worst team versus the quarterback. So mid pack, but over the last six, they've been the 11th worst team. And, you know, like I just said, when we're talking about Ben Roethlisberger, they have been giving up a lot more points recently. They haven't been able to stop anybody. I mean, Kirk Cousins had a, a monster game against them this week. Dalvin Cook had a monster game against them this week, and their their rushing defense was the tops in the league in the beginning of the season. So I think if this game goes into a shootout, I think both of these quarterbacks obviously are playable in your fantasy lineup. Tannehill got Julio Jones back this week and seemed to make it out of the game with without you know re-aggravating anything in his old body but uh i think Tannehill has an opportunity to him and big ben have have the opportunity to kind of to go back and forth in this game and you know kind of match each other for for points going against you know each other's defenses that have just sort of not been great the last few weeks and uh, i think this game has one of those you know, I, I use the term sneaky shootout, but it's uh, I think it's got a potential to be one of those sneaky shootout type of games. So uh, I do think that you could I would prefer Ben in this game because I feel like the Titans are a little bit more apt to potentially rushing touchdowns. But I also do like the fact that Ryan Tannehill is a little bit more mobile, had a rushing touchdown this past week, uh, has a few t- a rushing touchdowns on the year. And uh, it does have the ability to sort of, you know, kind of bootleg and, and get out and, and run for a touchdown. So I think you could go with either of these guys. I think my order would probably be Fields, Garoppolo, Roethlisberger, Tannehill. But I do think that any of those guys is a viable play and, and just really depends on how you think these games are going to go on who you should pick. Rude, you, uh, you want to jump into the tight ends? I know how much you love. Always ends. do. Always do. Um, first off, uh, I know we did have a little bit of a, a list of, of some names, again, based on on different matchups and, and stuff like that. Uh, uh, one of the first people, though, overall, I think really has to be mentioned based on his just the volume performance and everything over the last few weeks is Gerald Everett from Seattle. Uh, he had another decent game yesterday against the Texans. Two targets, but 15 yards and a touchdown. 
this is his, let's see, it's been kind of up and down. He went 14, then six, then 14, then had a rough one, and then 10 points. So he, he's definitely an option. He is, in the last four weeks, he's pretty much been like the second most targeted tight end. Again, there's some stats still got to clean up, but but he's, he's really been in the mix a lot, and, and I think it's helped Russell Wilson kind of get his hand and the offense back in hand, so to speak. Uh, again, obviously, Houston helps as well to play against them. But but it looks like he's starting to become a little bit of a piece of that offense. Again, he's not a he's not a, he's not a kittle to say the least. So yeah, Gerald Everett's not there. Uh, but again, he's he's definitely a viable name that uh, some remember him from his Rams days. And again, he he always had a, a little bit of a knack to be involved here and there. So he's a guy who gets some red zone targets. Again, the touchdown dependency is there, but. Uh, he's a guy that will be going into a matchup, uh, ironically. Oh, you got to be kidding me. Are they going up against the Rams this week? Yeah. So it, it's a revenge game as well. So Gerald Everett's probably going to go off for 22 points. I'm just uh, speculating a little bit there, joking around. But yeah, the, the Rams do, uh, they, they're average against the tight end position. They give up, you know, roughly about seven, eight points a game. So uh, you could see him be a safe floor kind of guy uh, in a tough division matchup against the Rams. Next up is kind of another little interesting, uh, I guess you could say interesting spot to be in tight end wise. Logan Thomas is been banged up and he's on IR. He's he's out. So Washington has been trying to fill the gaps. Well, we saw Ricky Seals Jones, former Cardinal there, kind of being the guy, you know, based on the fact that Thomas was out and it is what it is there. And he had a, a couple of reasonable games. There's been a name recently that, that is starting to come into play a little bit just based on that offense. And with the matchup coming this week is somebody who could be uh, one of the deepest sleepers of the season. John Bates is also getting a little bit involved now that Logan Thomas is out. And again, Seals Jones is there, but he was banged up a little bit as well. So you're starting to see uh, John Bates get a little bit involved. If you look at season long, uh, again, this is the Washington football team, but Seals Jones has 39 targets on the season versus Bates, who has 15. And you say, okay, well, the disparity's there. But the last four weeks has been roughly only about four targets for Seals Jones. And again, Bates getting 11 targets. So I, I think that they have a matchup against the Philadelphia Eagles. And for us, Pat and I both know very well. And for those in fantasy, you should also know by now that the Philadelphia Eagles cannot do anything to stop the tight end position. Uh, it has been in their nature for the past few seasons, and it has gotten to be just pretty much an auto start uh, based on the matchups this season uh, against the Eagles. Again, uh, Bates may be getting a little bit more involved. He was three or four for 42 yards against the Raiders the other week. Uh, and then he did get, you know, he did get a little bit involved against uh, against the Dallas Cowboys. Now, whether or not that's going to transfer over or whether or not Seals Jones maybe feels a little bit healthier and they're going to get him back involved. It's a little bit tricky to say the least, but I really feel like either one of these guys, depending on the matchup is really going to be a guy you have to go with. Now, again, Seals Jones, he has been the name Bates. To be honest, I never heard of him. I don't really follow Washington that much, but knowing that, that he was as involved as he was. And, and again, knowing that he's going to be there, uh, against the Philadelphia Eagles, I, I don't know. I, I kind of think Bates a little bit more than Seals Jones, but again, that's 
I think it's also based on the health factors of both players. And, and again, the matchup dictates that you got to put one of them in. Um, obviously, Logan Thomas would have been the better of, of all the matchups. But again, right now, I think based on Seals Jones not being healthy, that you really are starting to look in the direction of John Bates uh, as a start against the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, again, you might find a better option, but uh, you're playing the Eagles. I think you have a pretty good shot. Next up, we're talking about Tyler Higby. Um, again, he was just placed on the COVID list uh, just roughly an hour or so before we we kind of got rolling here. And uh, obviously, hopefully that that's going to hold him back on Monday Night Football against the Arizona Cardinals. But hopefully uh, everything's okay and it doesn't transfer over to next week because, again, we did just mention that they have a matchup against the Seattle Seahawks. And Seattle is the fifth worst team uh, against the tight end position. The Philadelphia Eagles, the Las Vegas Raiders, the Los Angeles Chargers, the Baltimore Ravens, and the Seattle Seahawks. They're the bottom five against the tight end position. They're all giving up 10-plus points a game against the position. And, again, bonuses aside, uh, obviously PPR gets involved a lot there. But, again, they're giving up points. Seattle gives up points to the tight end position. It's going to be a tough matchup, absolutely. We know Higby gets involved when he's when he's there and when he's healthy. He's always been that kind of guy where you get him the football, he has no problem getting uh, getting himself involved. Earlier this season, uh, he did have 14 yards and a touchdown. He had about 10 points in our league. And again, PPR has gotten involved a little bit there. But he won't be playing this week, so we're hoping he does get back in next week uh, against the Seattle Seahawks. Another guy who's been, speaking of COVID, who, who got kind of thrust a little bit more into the forefront and has been a, a little bit of an uh, – I don't know, I guess to say an, an up and down kind of guy, so to speak. But uh, Austin Hooper, you know, he, he signed with Cleveland and they already had a decent amount of tight ends in their area. Uh, you know, you already had David Njoku and, and you know, Harrison Bryant was starting to become a little bit of a thing. So now you have a, a three-headed monster at tight end, I guess you say, so to speak. But Austin Hooper uh, coming off a pretty solid game yesterday and we all – Kind of felt like it was going to happen against Baltimore based on the matchup. He did not disappoint. He put up about 14 points in our league. He was five catches on seven targets, 30 yards, and a touchdown. If Njoku continues on COVID and Harrison Bryant still sidelined with the ankle, that's something that's going to probably push to the forefront Hooper even more. Uh, they're playing the Raiders. Just mentioned the Raiders are the second worst. They're in that bottom five against the tight end position. For streaming, that's really what you want to do. You want to go against poor defenses. And the Raiders are one of them. So look to get Austin Hooper in your lineup if you're a tight end streamer. Another guy here. It's a little bit tough, but this guy's a bit of a stretch. I think Hunter Henry is another name. We had him a few times this season as one of our better tight ends. He is coming off a of bye week, and he is going up against the Indianapolis Colts, who are just outside the bottom five. They are giving up still close to about 10 points a game to the tight end position. We've seen Hunter Henry get a lot of usage. John o. Smith, not as much, but Hunter Henry had been a little bit of a, I guess you could say a safety valve, but uh, it seems like Mac Jones spreads the football around. He's not scared to find you know open receivers and tight ends alike. Uh, last couple of weeks, Henry had a little bit of a neck injury that probably slowed him down a little bit and obviously was not targeted. Virtually nobody was uh, on that Monday night game against Buffalo. So coming off a bye going against Indy, uh, and it's a Saturday matchup. So, yes, also this week, don't forget, 
that you do have Saturday football. So we now have Sunday, Monday, Thursday, Saturday, and following Sunday. So you're starting to see those games come back through, uh, you know, double check your lineups and everything else. So Hunter Henry, Saturday evening against the Indianapolis Colts, uh, looking like a pretty good Pretty good matchup there. Uh, and again, maybe even Johnny Smith in a pinch if if you, if he's available. But looks like the Colts give up some points to the tight end position. And that's probably where you want to get involved. And finally, we're going to talk about Tyler Conklin. He has been getting the volume. Now, he didn't really turn it out too much this past week. Again, it was a, it was a weird game. I mean, obviously, Dalvin Cook was the offense the entire game. And when when a player gets that hot, you're not really going to see them deviate from that course. Going up against the Chicago Bears, who, okay, there's a team who's a little tough against the tight end position. Give up about six points a game, which maybe if you're just looking for a safer floor with Conklin, um, and there's not a lot of options left out there, he might be a guy. He's had some decent blips on the radar, uh, I mean, to say the least. Um, obviously, this will be the first matchup for Minnesota against Chicago. Minnesota coming off a tough loss. It's a Monday night football game, so you never know how things are going to happen uh, when it comes to getting involved. Uh, I think people maybe thought that Thielen being out against Pittsburgh may have increased his value, but again, Cook took that game over and was not letting it go. Coming back into Monday night against the Bears, uh, you could see Conklin getting the volume that he had been getting with targets, especially, uh, you know, especially in the red zone. Um, I mean, the last four weeks going into this week, he had nine red zone targets. That was tops in the NFL for the tight end position and about 20 plus targets overall coming now. So Tyler Conklin will finish out. Uh, We're looking at the John Bates, Ricky Seals Jones concept against the Eagles, Tyler Higby versus those Seattle Seahawks. Austin Hooper going up against the Las Vegas Raiders, Hunter Henry against the Indianapolis Colts, and Tyler Conklin against the Chicago Bears. Now we're going to take a look at some defense special teams that are probably some of your better options that are out there on a stream. And some of these are really going to kind of be, again, it's matchup based. I think one of the ones that you really want to uh, you know, I guess to say look at is, and, and don't laugh, uh, but the Houston Texans, they are going up against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, Jacksonville's a mess, and uh, that's not the, I'm not the first person to tell you that. But again, looking at, at how poor they are, they just, again, it's a, it's a bad offense. The coach, there's, there's talk of, there's talk of maybe him already being one and done, and it looks like maybe he wants to run to Notre Dame because that job's open. Fighting with his assistants, clashing already with the starting quarterback, virtually benching the running back, who's an all-pro running back. You know, it, these are things that that kind of lead you to think like, what, what the hell's going on in Jacksonville? Well, Houston again, they they're not they're not world beaters on defense. They've had a couple though out there uh, double-digit performances. This could be one of them. Uh, going up against Jacksonville earlier in the season, they opened the season. They put up seven points against that offense, and and Jacksonville doesn't look any better than they did then. So I, I think you might want to expect a reasonable output of anywhere in that, maybe like seven to possibly a double digit defensive performance again against Jacksonville. Next up, we are going to look for the San Francisco 49ers. 
They have a nice matchup this week, and they're going up against the Atlanta Falcons, who, again, it's another team that just bleeds points. Jacksonville gives up the most. Atlanta gives up the second most to the defense. And and San Francisco is starting to rally and, and really look like a solid team and look like they are, again, right now they are the second wild card. Uh, they're not trying to let anything go because although they're six out of seven playoff teams, they are only one game ahead of a slew of other teams before tiebreakers. So they can't let go right now. They have to keep pushing. Obviously, they're only about... After tonight, we'll see with the Rams. If the Rams were to lose in Arizona, win or or it flips over, they they can smell some blood in the water there too. San Francisco is a solid matchup against the Atlanta Falcons, and again, Atlanta, as far as even scoring on offense, they're they're one of the worst teams when it comes to putting up points, doing doing virtually anything. So again, San Francisco definitely going to take advantage of that matchup and just look to steamroll uh, over the Atlanta Falcons. The Miami Dolphins are next up. They're going up against the New York football Jets. Uh, and we all know that the Jets are another team. Uh, they are uh, they're about the fifth or sixth worst against giving up points to uh, a defense. And, and Miami coming off a bye, they've had time to plan for this matchup. They've been a pretty solid all season as far as, uh, you know, I think they have one really tough game, but it was against Tampa. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, I mean, you've had a, you had a 23 point output against the Carolina Panthers. They just had the Giants right before the bye, and then they come out and they go right up against the Jets. Uh, it's probably going to be one of those games where, again, they keep the score low enough to keep that points allowed total, maybe get a sack or a pick off of Zach Wilson or two. Kind of like the Miami Dolphins this week against the Jets. And finally, the Cleveland Browns are going up against. The Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders, again, defense, they give up points to the defense. It's it's really, it's a tough team. I mean, it's a shame they've been through a lot this season, both on and off the field. And it really seemed to take away a lot of that early momentum where they looked like a pretty solid team overall. Uh, penalties kill them. And that's one of the, the big things. But that's always been with the Raiders probably since their inception. Again, they have a pretty solid passing offense, and you know the running game is is involved. But they they do turn the ball over a little bit, and, and lately they really have just not been. They just haven't been really a, a killer team, so to speak. You know, again, that offense has started to get sapped, and it has been anemic ever since losing a lot against the Cleveland Browns, who are pushing, pushing, pushing to stay in the playoff race. Right now, they are. Just on the outside looking in, but a lot of that is based on head-to-head record. Two wins for the Browns. Suddenly, they're really uh, looking to kind of settle in, and they're right behind the Baltimore Ravens. So they have nothing to lay down for. They're going to get up against the the Raiders this week. So Houston, San Francisco, the Miami Dolphins, and the Cleveland Browns are four of the defenses that if you're looking to stream in a pinch and, and you're looking for just the solid matchup on the other side of the ball, uh, I think those teams will help you out and they should be available in most of your leagues. Yeah. And we do the streaming defenses uh, again, based off of teams that we assume are going to be available in your league. One of those four should be available. Uh, I don't, I don't see, especially teams like Houston, you know, Miami, they're over on a buy. I don't see those teams being rostered. So the reason that we go with, with some of these teams, instead of, you know, maybe the more obvious answer like Bills versus the Panthers or the Cardinals versus the Lions is because those teams are probably taken. Now, obviously, if you can get your hands on, you know, a team like the Cardinals or 
you know, the Bills or, you know, the Cowboys, any of these teams where they're a smash play. Obviously, you pick those defenses up and play them. But those defenses are generally not just hanging out there on the waiver wire because they are the better defenses in your league. These are some options for you. Like we said, just based off of matchups, uh, the, the, the Jets and the Jags lead the entire NFL in turnovers. So, you know, again, you know that we preach playing teams that uh, have possibility to get some sacks, get some turnovers. This is really where your, your defense scores, you know, not giving up points is great. It helps the bottom line. It helps get you those, those points against, but all of these teams are professionals. You don't see that many, you know, shutouts and, and, you know, three point type performances. And if you do, those are usually by your new England's and, you know, your teams that are already your defenses that are already sort of rostered by, by other people. So those kind of stalwarts are generally not available, but, you know, like I said, these are some, just some streaming options. If nothing else is available, if none of those top defenses are available in your league or you don't have one already, my sort of, again, just giving you some, some insight as to, you know, what I like to do heading into the playoffs is I will generally only keep one defense on my roster during the regular season, but heading into the playoffs, I usually will pick up a second defense, sometimes even a third, depending on how stacked my roster is at other positions and whether I need those roster spots for, you know, maybe some wide receivers or running backs or, or what have you. But if I have a pretty, a pretty tight roster, I'll pick up two or three defenses and, and play matchups on those defenses weeks in advance so that I don't have to worry about skimming that waiver wire, using my waiver priority or waiting until, you know, the scraps after your waiver's clear to pick up a defense. So, you know, start looking ahead at some defenses that you could pick up for the following weeks, the, the teams that you really want to target, the New York Jets, Jaguars, uh, the Panthers have been really bad and turned the ball over a lot this year. The, the Bears haven't scored a ton of points, nor have they, you know, they also turn the ball over quite a bit with the rookie quarterback. So, you know, if you can, if you can target any of those teams, Washington's been really bad recently, Atlanta. So any of these teams where, you know, you can, you can get some turnovers, you can get some sacks, you can keep the score relatively low, you know, start looking to, to pick up those defenses, uh, you know, a week or sometimes even two weeks uh, in advance and, and take a look and see if the defense that you're picking up, maybe they have two good matchups in a row and then you don't have to worry about rostering you know a second or third defense or whatever so uh you know we're going to give you the options week to week and and maybe next week what i'll do is i'll I'll take a look at at the entire playoffs and see if we can give you some options for you know maybe a defense that you could ride for two or three uh, weeks consecutively and and see if there's anyone out there who who might fit that uh that that bill at the defensive position All right, folks, that's going to do it this week for our streamers and waiver wire pickups. Uh, We hope some of this helps to get you that push into the fantasy playoffs. Most of you may have already a pretty solid lineup, but as we said, you got to be ready for those landmines of injuries, uh, backups and handcuffs, and and again, just some better matchups that uh, might be that deciding factor to push you over the top. We'd like to sincerely thank you for listening to the show. You can follow us on Twitter at the nine route one and at Scott from Delco. We put out a lot of 
funny and informative information on there. Our email address, if you'd like to email the show, is the nine route ffb at gmail.com. Make sure to click the little plus wherever you're listening to follow the show. And if you like what we do, please leave us a review. Good luck this week, and we'll be back next week with more fantasy football info to take your team deep here on the Nine Route Fantasy Football Podcast.